You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 155. Today's reading is from St. Jude's first universal letter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, being very eager to write to you of our common salvation, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For admission has been secretly gained by some who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly persons who pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny the only Master and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I desire to remind you, though you were once for all fully informed, that the Lord saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels that did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling have been kept by him in eternal chains in the nether gloom until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise acted immorally and indulged in unnatural lust, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner these men in their dreamings defile the flesh, reject authority, and revile the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a reviling judgment upon him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile whatever they do not understand, and by those things that they know by instinct as irrational animals they are destroyed." Woe to the ungodly, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perish in Korah's rebellion. These are blemishes on your love feasts as they boldly carouse together looking after themselves, waterless clouds carried along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting upon the foam of their own shame wandering stars for whom the nether gloom of darkness has been reserved forever. It was of these also that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with his holy myriads to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness, which they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own passions, loud-mouthed boasters, flattering people to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who set up divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, Pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and convince some who doubt, save some by snatching them out of the fire. On some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing, 
To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So today's reading is a bit lengthy in comparison to to most readings from our lectionary, uh, but it's because it includes the entire letter written by Jude. Father, what can you tell us regarding this letter, uh, such as its intended audience and purpose? You're right. Today's reading is longer than the readings we normally have on our podcast. Uh, On the other hand, since today's reading is actually the entire book of Jude, we can hear that Jude is much, much shorter than most books in the Bible. So there are several fascinating aspects of Jude, I think, but as always, it's necessary for us to have some context to fully appreciate. Mm -hmm. Like what, Father? Well, I think we should begin by looking at the bigger picture, okay? We've talked numerous times on previous episodes about the fact that the dispute between Peter and Paul that is memorialized for us in the Epistle to the Galatians is central to our understanding of the New Testament. But what can often get lost in that is that the dispute was really more broad than just between being between Peter and Paul. In fact, it also involved James as well as John. And how so? Well, if you look at Paul's account of the dispute, again, in in the epistle to the Galatians, he notes it was when certain men came from James that Peter began, in Paul's words, to play the hypocrite. It was when James sent people that Peter started to withdraw from the Gentiles and not share full table fellowship with them, as Peter had done when it was just him and Paul with the Gentiles. So we can see from this, as well as St. Paul earlier mentioning James, uh, how when he went to visit Peter and James, as well as John initially, after his conversion and, and the three years after that in the wilderness, that those three had no problem with Paul's teaching and bringing in the Gentiles. We can see that James was also involved in this dispute and was, was essentially on the side of Peter, inasmuch as Peter was withdrawing from the Gentiles only after people associated with James were there with Peter. So, again, the dispute was more broad than just being between Peter and Paul. It was really more between Paul on the one side and Peter and James and perhaps even John and the other disciples on the other side. That's uh, good information, Father. And so how does that relate back to Jude? Well, Jude is noted at the beginning of the epistle is James's brother. And I think that's important because quite likely Jude was on the side of James in this initial dispute between Paul and then Peter and James and the others. Now, of course, for those who have forgotten or are not as familiar, we should remind that the dispute, of course, was was settled. And it was settled because, according to Galatians, Paul withstood Peter to his face and, and confronted him. And ultimately, what came out of that was Peter and James's side relenting and agreeing that Paul's teaching was correct, that it represented the teaching of Jesus, as well as what we now call the Old Testament, what they called simply Scripture. And that as Paul attested, the Gentiles did not have to become Jews to be part of God's covenant community. That is to say, they did not have to observe the commandment of circumcision nor the Mosaic law in its entirety, but that they had to put their trust in God as the one who provides salvation. And then, of course, there were a few uh, basic moral teachings from the Mosaic law they were asked to follow. And like all of us, then, they had to follow Jesus' teaching about forgiving others because you yourself have first been forgiven by God. Okay, so I see the connection between James and Jude and also how that could relate to Peter and Paul's dispute with Peter 
James and Jude on the one side of the argument and Paul on the other. And so then how does that relate to Jude's epistle? Uh, The connection is in the fact that we can see many similarities to the epistles of James, Peter, and Jude. And, And just from a high level, the main similarity would be that these epistles serve as what we might call a corrective against those who misunderstood Paul's teaching. Would you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, so Paul talks about freedom. Uh, Paul talks about being free from the Mosaic law, not being under the law or under the curse of the law any longer. Paul talks about being justified or saved by grace and not by works. And Paul really has to stress these points because his audience, he was clearly in the minority of the Jews in his understanding of Scripture and his openness to bringing in the Gentiles. But in stressing these things, of course, one can often be misunderstood. So if I understand what you're saying, um, or if you're, what you're not saying, you're not saying that Paul implied anything or said anything incorrect in his epistles that the others needed to correct, but instead you're saying that Paul's correct teaching was sometimes misunderstood or taken in the wrong direction, and that's the reason for the others to correct the, the misreadings. Yeah, that's exactly right. James, Peter, Jude, none of them are correcting Paul himself, and neither are they contradicting him. In fact, Peter refers to Paul's writings as being on the level of Scripture, meaning as on the level of the Old Testament itself. So it's a very strong statement there by Peter in support of what Paul writes. But again, They're correcting the misunderstandings that arise from people who are misinterpreting Paul. And then what or or how are they misinterpreting those? The notion of freedom, for example. So Paul says you're you're free from the Mosaic law. Well, as Jude points out, as well as James and, and Peter in their epistles, that does not mean that you're free to do whatever you wish. And clearly, if you understand Paul's arguments and logic, Paul himself is saying that you're freed from the Mosaic law, but you're freed so that you might become enslaved to the law of Christ. You might become a slave of Christ. Paul never argues that you're free in this you know, generic sense for, to do whatever you wish. Not at all. So Jude, like James and Peter, serve as counterweights to those who misinterpret Paul. That's why Jude refers to people who came into the community who, quote, pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness which is another way to say lawlessness, and deny the only Master and our Lord Jesus Christ. Further, in speaking of the Eucharistic gathering, which Jude refers to as love feasts, and this comes from the Greek word agape, Jude says that some of the people have become blemishes on your love feasts as they boldly carouse together, looking after themselves. Again, it's clear that Jude, together with James and Peter, are correcting any misreading of Paul. So if I understand correctly then, Jude together with James and Peter are stressing to anyone who might um, understand Paul that being a disciple of Jesus does not mean that you're free to do whatever you want, that being free from the Mosaic law does not make you free in the sense that you are not a slave to Christ, and that, that being saved by grace through faith doesn't mean that you can ignore doing the work of Christ, and that even having faith assumes you have works, as James so clearly uh, points out in his epistle, because if you don't actually behave according to that faith, then your faith is actually uh, a fake faith. It's, it's in vain. Is that, is that more or less correct, Father? Yeah, I think that's a good summation. final point I want to make here as it relates to this broader context 
is to pay attention to the order of the canon, the order of the books in the New Testament. So when you get to the epistles following Acts, the, which was the life of the apostles, you move to St. Paul's epistles, which are the majority of the New Testament canon in terms of the number of books. Uh, however, the canon concludes then with Peter, John, James, and Jude. Of course, you have Revelation, but uh, that's a, a, a book unique unto itself. And, and I think the way to understand that is that you have Paul's teaching taking precedence, but then you have Peter, John, James, and Jude, all in line with Paul's teaching, as I mentioned earlier, but serving as a corrective to anyone who might misinterpret or misunderstand or take Paul in a direction that he himself did not intend to go. So other than Revelation, which deals with the final judgment, you have the New Testament canon concluding with this epistle of Jude, which is an open epistle. It's addressed to those who are called, which is to the ecclesia. Uh, ecclesia means to be called out is the, the term that gets translated as church. And the canon concludes with a reminder that even as we have been freed from the Mosaic law, we are not lawless. We are slaves to Christ, and thus we are enslaved to the law of Christ. We have a law, but that law which is based on mercy and compassion and forgiveness leads to true freedom and not the false freedom promised by those who are lawless, those who promise that we're just free in a more generic sense. Uh, Father, last question for today. Uh, after, after having helped us understand the significance of Jude, what then should we as Christians today take away from this letter? Well, good question. I, I think most especially for those of us Christians in America, the takeaway is clear based on what we've discussed. We hear and talk about freedom all the time in our culture. And, and what Jude is teaching us is that true freedom does not mean being lawless or being free in some sort of generic sense. It doesn't mean doing what you want whenever you want. To live that way, doing whatever you want whenever you want, is in fact enslaving oneself to sin and to the corruption of this world. But rather that true freedom is found in submitting to the law of Christ, to becoming his slave. In doing so, you're no longer enslaved to your past, and you're no longer enslaved to your sins. You're offered a new life, and, and being offered that, you forgive those who sinned against you, and you offer them second chances and a new way of life, just as you've been given that new way of life. And then finally, to understand, we've said before, that salvation by grace through faith, as Paul referred to it, means that salvation is free of charge, but with a charge, meaning it doesn't cost you anything up front. It's free in that sense, but it comes with the giving of a commandment, the giving of a charge that you do something, that you behave towards your neighbor and towards your enemy in a certain way, namely with the same grace and forgiveness towards them that God offered you. And we too often, like those who misinterpreted Paul, we stop short of, of that full sentence. We often say or think and speak about salvation as being free of charge, and we tend to minimize or neglect that being free of charge, it still comes with a charge, with a commandment. And Jude serves to help us remember that we cannot cut off the sentence in the middle. If we're accepting salvation as being free of charge, then we cannot neglect the charge, the commandment that comes with it. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we examine the book of Jude. Father Aaron began by reminding us of the dispute that pitted Paul on one side and Peter, James, and John on the other. 
This dispute was eventually settled in favor of Paul's teaching, which was that Gentiles did not have to become Jews to become part of God's covenant community. After this dispute was settled, the epistles of Peter, James, John, and Jude, who was the brother of James, serve as what we might call a corrective against those who misunderstood Paul's teaching. One important element of Paul's teaching was the notion of freedom. Paul teaches us that we are free from the Mosaic law, but that does not mean that we are free to do whatever we wish, which is what the epistles that follow Paul's writings in the New Testament point out. If we properly understand Paul's arguments and logic, we understand that we are freed from the Mosaic law so that we might become a slave of Christ. And so we are not lawless, but as slaves to Christ have the law of Christ, which is based upon mercy, compassion, and forgiveness, leads to true freedom and not the false freedom promised by those who are lawless. Living without the law of Christ is to do whatever we please. To live that way is, in fact, enslaving oneself to sin and to the corruption of this world. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee.